Welcome to another week's episode of The Outsiders. This is Sean Williams, and after a few-week break, I welcome back in my partner, Chip Turner. Um, excited to uh, give you guys some new Dolphins content. Uh, Chip, what's going on? What's up, Sean? Yeah, it's good to be back. I had a week, took a week off last week, had the kids doing some stuff for school. But here we are, smack in the middle of OTAs, getting all sorts of... Uh, new Dolphins content, which is a lot of fun. And we're getting the first look at some people that we yeah, haven't yeah. seen in a while, which is nice. Um, I think the two biggest stories coming out of OTAs so far, um, I want to say, uh, number one is we've heard all about, and I'm not sure how much you covered on it last week, we heard all about uh, Tua and the playbook and how the the, the, the little bit of a tirade that happened over that in the national media. Um, but I think the to his health and how he has looked in OTAs so far with his arm strength, the way he's been zipping passes. And the bigger one that I am interested in is the return of Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson took off for 2020 for uh, the purposes of the coronavirus, the pandemic that we had. Uh, he was, if, if memory serves, he was expecting his first child at the time, so he did not want anything to possibly threaten the health of that child. I totally understand it. Uh, and he, if you'll remember, he hasn't been seen at full strength other than for a few games at the end of the 2019 series for going on two and a half years now. And Albert Wilson was a very explosive player for Miami in the beginning part of 2018 before he had, shockingly, a hip injury. Now, what I have liked is that I noticed his improvement in the last few games of 2019 at the end of the season. He's finally started to look like his old self, he had the acceleration, the quickness. Um, and I have said, I've been saying all along that I think he could be a legitimate and dangerous addition to Miami's wide receiver core. And it has started to show in OTA 2020. I'm not the only person that saw it. It's been mentioned by numerous people that Albert Wilson is producing and he looks quick. He looks fast. He looks like the player the Dolphins traded for before the 2018 season. What are your thoughts? I'm going to address the, uh, the Tua thing first. Uh, I have a very hard time believing anything gets out of Brian Flores' office. Um, I find this nothing more than um, opportunistic uh, clickbait from journalists trying to run with something. Um, there has been nothing in Flores and Greer's tenure that would lead me uh, to believe that even if he did feel that way, there isn't a soul outside of maybe a, a less than a handful of people that would know that. I, I just, it's, it's trash. It's trash journalism. And I mean, journalism has been taking this direction for quite a while now. Uh, 
it's it's sad to see because the kid doesn't deserve it. Um, the organization really doesn't deserve it. I, the only thing that would lead someone to believe, hey, maybe Tua wasn't the guy, is if it was true that they were looking at Deshaun Watson before the allegations. But in that case, that's not so much of taking anything away from Tua as it is you have a top three potential quarterback in the NFL who's already proven. And it's hard to, you know, dispute bringing that guy, a guy of that caliber on your team. So um, I'm, I'm not feeding into any of the Tua talk just because I know the organization and I know how um, tight their lips are sealed. I just wish people would kind of leave them alone and let's, let's at least get through the first half of the upcoming season before we start all the Tua nonsense. Uh, I haven't heard or seen anything that would lead me to believe he's not having a good OTA. Um, and I know even, uh, you know, Miami reporters have been allowed in some of that. So, yeah, I, I think he's probably doing exactly what everybody wants him to do. And that's train, that's uh, sitting in the film room, that's learning the new playbook, that's building chemistry with his teammates. I, I find all those things are probably what's really happening and the, the facts behind uh, Tua than a lot of the other nonsense that people that really aren't even connected to the organization are putting out. Um, Albert Wilson, I have a couple of schools of thoughts on him. When it was free agency and we weren't doing a whole lot, and this is before the Will Fuller signing, I saw a little bit too much from people on Twitter saying, guys, I don't know why you're freaking out. We have Albert Wilson coming back. To me, that that's not good enough. Um, if that if that had been, you know, our full offseason is, you know, we're getting back Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson, that's that's unacceptable. Um, that's that's just not a winning wide receiver room because we've had that wide receiver room before and it wasn't winning then. Um, but in my second school of thought, Albert Wilson in peak form is a very dynamic player who's who's ultimately fun to watch and, and can make those guys miss. I'm not putting him on any type of pedestal. I hope that he is 2018 um, or 2017 Albert Wilson and he makes the team. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, the way that that group is constructed, I don't even see a lot of snaps for Lynn Bowden, much less um, in Albert Wilson. I mean, you got Jalen Waddle is going to be the top of any slot group. So he's already on top of uh, Lynn Bowden and on top of an Albert Wilson um, and whoever else may make the team. Um, Will Fuller's not sitting out of play, um, in my opinion. He was, uh, I think I saw, he was the second, had the second highest uh, quarterback passer rating when thrown to him last season. Uh, he's a borderline Pro Bowl all-star. He, he's not sitting out of play so that a Lynn Bowden can get a snap. Um, Devontae Parker's too unique to the rest of the group to where his skill set is needed um, because it's unlike the other ones on the field. So um, I hope Albert Wilson makes the team. Uh, I expect Lynn Bowden to be there. Uh, I haven't even mentioned Preston Williams, who I believe is is still, you know, sitting no less than fourth on the depth chart. Um, they're they're going to be good depth pieces. If a Jalen Waddle 
can't fully recover from last year's injury, which it seems like that might be a thing uh, so far, at least then, yeah, it's nice to have a guy like uh, Wilson and a guy like Bowden to, to fill in. And we know that this team has struggled in the wide receiver room with injuries. So uh, great depth pieces, but I, I wouldn't say I'm expecting any more than that um, from him. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Um, it's nice to have this conversation now because yeah, I don't think, I don't think Albert Wilson is um, ever going to be a number one wide receiver. Uh, he just, it's just not his game. What he is, is he is a slot threat. And it's nice to be able to have a conversation where you're legitimately saying, okay, how many wide receivers can Miami realistically keep? And who are they going to be? Because you know you're going to have Devontae Parker. You know you're going to have, obviously, Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller. You've added two, the, two of those three in the offseason. Um, you're going to have Preston Williams, who I honestly believe keeping him on the field at the same time as Devontae Parker for any extended period of time. Uh, for any extended series of plays, It is counterproductive because they're the same type of player. I think Devontae Parker is a considerably better player, but it's nice to be able to have them because they are both good possession receivers who are legit weapons in the red zone who are, and they're fantastic weapons in the red zone. They're, they're both, you know, they're both going to be able to high point the ball and go and get it when it needs to be taken, when, when you need that uh, aggressive high pointing type of wide receiver. Um, but they're not the same type of player as the, other two positions that you're going to have, mainly a slot and the other side of the field, you're going to have a Will Fuller. Usually, I believe he'll end up being the, the wide receiver one. Um, and you're going to have the slot. You're going to have Waddle. You're going to have uh, Lynn Bowden. I don't think they're going to get rid of Bowden because he is almost as dynamic as any receiver they have in the field with the ball. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's a project. No, he's I, a third round pick. He's yeah. Correct. Um, so it's, but it's good to be able to have these conversations now because if you remember at the end of last year, I mean, they had basically nobody starting in that, specifically in that Raiders game, I think it was. They had nobody to throw to. I think they had Mac Hollins, was one of their wideouts, if I remember correctly. They caught and, the big Fitzpatrick pass. Yes, and no did. luck. And they, if, if I'm not mistaken, Malcolm Perry also started that game. So, you don't ever want to be in that position again where you don't have skilled depth on the roster. And that is what Miami is, do is doing in the wide receiver room. Um, a side note, I have seen more than one person suggest that Miami is going to be moving on from Devontae Parker and go with Preston Williams. Um, this is this was something that was hot on Twitter within the last two weeks, and I kept looking at this and going, "Why in the world would you want to do that?" Uh, I understand that Miami's there are rumors, and I know, like you said, not much out of they're fan created uh, rumors. Yeah, some of them are, but I believe they there is credence to some of them when you own. hear them. Yeah, when you hear them from people like Benjamin Albright, I and mean, you hear them from your legitimate. Um, NFL reporters and not someone with a Twitter account that says, 
I am hearing that once it starts with that, you, you know, it's it's really not worth much other than, you know, the pixels it's printed on, so to speak. Um, but what I don't understand is the dislike for Devontae Parker. Specific skill set, which I just discussed, is invaluable to teams, specifically in the red zone. When he's healthy, he produces. If you want to say he has is injury prone, I mean, he hasn't missed a lot of games, believe it or not, the last couple of years. But he, if you want to tell me he's banged up a lot, I'm not going to give you too much of an argument on that. But what he has right now is he has a very, very manageable contract. His contract next year, he costs the team, I want to say, let's see, we have $9 million in 2022 and then $9 million in 2023 when he'll be 30. And the guy is clearly a very skilled wide receiver who has great hands, great, great catch radius. He made Stefan Gilmore look like a fool when he was healthy at the end of 2019 season. And I just don't understand it. I don't get why people want to move on from the guy and say he's worthless because he's not. The only reason I could see Miami moving on from him is if is traded for in a package for something that they really would need if they're in a position to make a serious run at the playoffs. If they want to say, well, we have Preston Williams and he brings a similar set to the offense and Preston Williams is having a fantastic year and Devontae Parker is, you know, in front of him, but he is expendable, so to speak. The only reason I would is if is they're going to move on from it, move him in a piece for another team, uh, to another team for a premier player because his contract. If you look at your receivers who have legitimately had over a thousand yard season, who can produce in the red zone, whose contract is locked in for two years beyond this year for less than ten million dollars a year, there aren't that many out there. So that's the only way I could see them moving on from Devontae Parker. This is a rant that I wanted to have that I was aimed at no one in particular, and people are going to say, what the heck is he talking about? Trust me, there's a ton of Devontae Parker disrespect out there. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of his contract, he's got to be one of the most um, – I guess, I guess value – the value you get for what you're paying, it's got to be one of the most value-efficient contracts in the NFL. Um, I mean, PFF released rankings uh, a couple weeks ago uh, for wide receivers for the upcoming season. Dante Parker was the 27th ranked um, with uh, Will Fuller actually one spot ahead at 26th. But I've come, I've come to learn that whenever people start the Dante Parker conversation – the ones who are on the side of getting rid of him um, or, or the Parker slander, they never really bring any facts to the conversation. Um, it's all just a very emotional opinion. And Devontae Parker is, uh, I believe, number two in the NFL in active um, – of active wide receivers for uh, the jump ball, um, jump balls caught. 
and um, hold on a second. So the people that that bring up the negatives about Devontae Parker or why they want to trade him, I feel like they just don't bring facts to the table. Um, his contract is an absolute no-brainer. There's nothing to support unloading his contract um, just because of the efficiency of the value you're getting um, from the production versus the dollars. Um, and then just in terms of what he brings to the table, he, he's caught the second most um, 50-50 contested balls in the NFL over the past uh, few seasons. Um, statistically, he's almost like an 80-20 instead of a 50-50. Uh, and a lot of what I hear, too, is that people want to bring up, well, he didn't mesh well with Tua. I don't remember any wide receivers meshing well with Tua. <laughs> Tua played nine games. And, yeah, when Devontae Parker lit it up, he had a, a veteran of over 15 years um, at the quarterback position. And um, I even saw one guy say it was almost like they were blaming Parker for the, the chemistry issues. Um, so you're going to blame the seasoned vet who's been in the league um, instead of the rookie who got thrown in uh, after rehabbing a, what could have been career-ending injury. I just, I don't, if, if anyone ever wants to have the Parker conversation with me and they want to bring actual logic and facts into the equation, I'm more than willing to have the conversation. And I just don't think that side's going to win. Um, in terms of the wide receivers, I think we're going to keep, the way I look at it is we have, I don't look at it wide receiver one versus wide receiver two. I, I look at it, we have the X wide receiver, we have the flanker, and we have the slot. Mm -hmm. And who are the depth pieces behind them? And how, how does it make sense um, for how to set up that depth? I think Preston is going to be the depth piece for Parker um, because both have had injury issues. Um, I think... Albert Wilson and Lynn Bowden are the depth pieces for Jalen Waddle. And the only person I don't really see having a depth piece right now is Will Fuller. Um, I don't see another flanker that has his abilities on the roster. And I'm not saying like that should shock anybody. Like there's only so many Will Fullers, you know, in the league type thing. But I do think that that's a position where if he went down, Jalen Waddle um, could probably man you know, the playbook from that aspect while one of Waddle's, um, you know, compliments step up like a Wilson or a Bowden. So um, outside of that group, I don't know that they do keep anyone because, and this is the other argument um, I hear that just doesn't make logical sense is, well, they have Mac Collins and I fully expect them to keep him because of the emphasis they put on special teams. Although we do have quite a few guys um, that they've gone out and gotten that have, you know, a special teams reputation. Um, but even if you want to label Matt Collins a special special teamer, he's still a wide receiver, and that's the group he belongs to. And by keeping him plus another wide receiver like a Hearns or a Grant or a Loxley, whoever, um, you're still take you still have to take away from the depth of another position to make that work because there's no special teams position on the on the 53-man roster or there's not a special teams group or room um Matt Collins is a wide receiver who plays a special teams role on the team but in order to keep him 
plus anybody else, you have to you have to take away from another group. Um, one group I do want to talk about who seems to be just as loaded as wide receiver um, to the point people are getting all antsy about how that's going to work is the tight end room. And again, I'm very much of the belief that I want every group to be so talented that, you know, NFL roster type players don't make the team. Um, why anybody would want, you know, Mike Kosicki and then and Adam Shaheen and then maybe a Hunter Long and then, you know, like, like, why would you, why would you want less talent type thing? Um, I'm sure they're going to find a way to make it work. Um, Stephen Carter was signed for three years, so I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to get cut at least this offseason. And I, I believe he's going to be filling more of an H-back role. And then, you know, boy, I saw I saw a tweet from the Dolphins today with a clip of a route uh, the Gasecki wrote, uh, the Gasecki uh, ran. And, you know, I was going back through his highlights last year, and I was kind of unimpressed by his route running. Um, it wasn't there's there's never been a lot of crispness to it. Um, I think he kind of relies on his athleticism a little bit too much, but boy, he looked real crisp in the route he ran today. And I really feel like we could be in store for a big uh, Mike Isicki year. Although, like I get I get like there's so many targets now on the team. There's only so many balls to get, you know, passed around. But um, I don't expect Hunter Long to have a huge role in, unless an injury comes, I think he's going to grow and develop and learn. Um, and I, I also, I really could see Durham Smythe taking a, a step forward this year. Um, I really like what I've seen from him in terms of training. And I could see him being a guy that's, that's resigned before, almost like a Zach Sealer type situation. Like, you know, we get into midway through October and, you know, he's making an impact. I can totally see him signing. That's not going to cost us much money. Yeah, and you're the the more you talked about this, the more I I started. This is directly into what I wanted to discuss with the wide receiver room and the tight end room because you just named five tight ends, and I don't know how Miami keeps five tight ends and keeps seven wide receivers. I don't think it's I don't I don't think they can do it just on a fifty three man roster don't know how you accomplish that um and you discussed um let's go the wide receivers you're gonna have parker you're gonna have williams you're gonna have waddle you're gonna have odin you're probably i think gonna have wilson you're gonna have will fuller and you gotta have mac collins they literally just re-signed mac collins in march uh, does that mean he was making the roster no but then that's that's six so if you want to keep you forgot going I, so that's I, I yeah, that's yeah. So there's so the, if you the top. Grant. The, no, no, no. So there's the top four. There's Parker, Williams, um, Waddle, Fuller. Then you have Wilson, right. and Bowden. Wilson and, and then Bowden. and then Hollins would make seven. Um, there's that's no way. Right. So Hollins would make seven. So I don't know yeah. how you can keep that. Would, Grant would make eight. You're right. Um, and then in the tight end room, you've got Gasicki. You've got Adam Shaheen, who they just extended last year. You've got Stephen Carter, who they signed, he said, to a three-year contract. They've got Hunter Long, who they just drafted. And then you've got Durham Smythe. So I'm looking at this situation going, I mean, you can't, you're not, you're not going to put Hunter Long on the practice squad. There's just no way. No. 
No. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't do that with half of these players. And I like, and I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to be interesting to watch. It'll be a fun camp battle. Uh, I don't think that there's any way with what's going on that both Jakeem Grant and Matt Collins make the roster. Uh, and I don't know if either of them make the roster. Yep, they might not. Because um, you've still got Malcolm Perry, too. And I don't like He can go I practice think, squad. I think he ends up on practice squad, yes. Uh, you got that Foster. Even if you Foster. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And we still have Alan Hearns. Yes. I don't think there's any way, Alan. The thing is, again, Alan Hearns costs almost as much to cut as he does to keep. So it's like no, it, it doesn't benefit the team. It costs him as much as it does. Yeah, he he is dead cap is almost exactly equivalent to the salary cap he brings to the team. So I, I don't think that makes him a lock to make the team either. But I mean, you've got these are good conversations to have now since, and it's much better than the ones they had last year when, like, like I said, they had to the position and they're trotting out um, Lynn Bowden out there. Who was a leading receiver, and he, you know, he's a rookie who'd been, you know, traded from the Raiders to Miami in the middle of training camp. It's just, it's so much better to have this conversation about we can't afford to cut somebody than it is to say we don't have anybody to put on the field. That's just, it's, it's a much better conversation. But I don't so, know where they're going to go with the tight end room. I think, I think first and foremost, there's going to be some disappointed fans because, like I said. I think they're going to go – I think at the end of the day, there's going to be six legitimate wide receivers on the roster. I mean, I don't include Matt Collins into that that group of legitimate wide receivers. Um, and then plus one for special teams maybe um, would be my guess. And that special teamer is either going to be like Foster or Hollins or something like that. Um, I, I don't – Based off the way the things I'm hearing about Albert Wilson, I, I would imagine if that continues, he makes the team, and, and Bowden makes the team, and that's six. Um, and that leaves out Grant, that leaves out uh, Hearns, uh, that leaves out whoever else. And uh, and I almost, if you're going to short one of the, the rooms, I almost prefer you short the wide receiver room just because there's a couple of those tight, like Mike Kosicki, he is a wide receiver. Um, he can he can fill that void. Now this is this definitely is where it gets interesting. Where you could almost see um, Miami does make a trade. Um, I don't know if it's Devonte Parker or what, but at the end of the day, too, you only have Will Fuller for one year. So let's not trade away too much talent um, when we got a a guy of that caliber who's on, really on a rental contract who really controls his own future. Even if we want to, you know sign them long-term by middle of the season or whatever. So, yeah, it's it's tough. And I don't see one of those tight ends um, not making the team. I think I think the team is invested in Durham Smythe, and I think he fits the team very well. Like you said, Shaheen was re-signed. Um, heaven forbid that Gesicki is the one traded. Um, <laughs> let's let's, let's kind of curb that, but you never know. Um, you really don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to see that until Hunter Long has has a year to develop. But um, yeah, I, I don't see any of those guys from that room not making the team unless Shaheen's contract's easy to get out of. Um, 
I don't think Alan Hearns dead cap situation. I don't think that'll really play too much into anything. Um, Stephen Ross doesn't no, really like care a, it's like about a million, signing. It's like I think it's a million and, three. It's not big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that shouldn't affect their salary cap next year. So, uh, right. I don't. I, I truly don't know. I guess if I had to say one thing that I know, it's that there's going to be some dolphin dolphin fans are going to be surprised when it's all said and done. Come come cut day. Yeah, I mean. You're going to have some, uh, no matter what happens. I mean, the, the Dolphins could win three straight Super Bowls. You're still going to have some upset Dolphins fans. There's, there's been a lot of, a long period of grief and and, and frustration that, that we've all gone through. So it's kind of understandable. Um, I touched this, I've hinted at it three or four times in our podcast, and I've hinted at it in past articles on Finn Maniacs, and I'm just going to do it now. And I'm I'm gonna get some blowback for this, but I don't think that I don't think that Mike Gesicki is on Miami Dolphins in 2022. And it's not because he's not a good tight end. He is, I think, a very good receiving tight end. Um and I know I've gotten into it a couple of times with different people about how an RPO works and whether or not a tight end blocks. But everything that I see that when the moves that Miami has made in extending Adam Shaheen, in signing Season Carter to a contract, in not extending Gesticki last year when they had the opportunity to, and they extended Adam Shaheen instead, that's where I've started scratching my head and going, what is going on here with this situation? Mike Gesicki is not a great blocker he's not and i firmly believe that what brian flores wants to be able to do without fail and at all costs is be able to run the ball and mike gesicki is not an asset to the miami dolphins in that aspect He's just not a good inline blocker. I like the guy. I love his attitude. Uh, attitude when when anybody in tight end group catches a touchdown, he runs down the field, celebrates with him. I love his work ethic. I love how he stuck up for Tua. And people started giving you know grief about uh, maybe that he's not that popular in a locker room. And Mike is he still. For him 100%. I love the guy to death. I just don't know that he is the type of tight end that Brian Flores wants in his offense. And that is why I think he might not be. I'm not going to, I didn't say, I didn't say might to start with it. So, Mike uh, will be on the Miami Dolphin in 2022. That's where I'm sticking with it. Sorry. <laughs> it's just I know I know so, people aren't gonna like me saying that, but I, I I don't know that I don't know that I disagree with you. Um I think Durham Smythe actually has a really good chance of being on the Miami Dolphins past um this upcoming season. Uh I just he he just has a, a feel to him that he he's he's a fit um in Miami. Um and I, I really think that um there's more to Durham Smythe than we've we've seen production wise um, and tight ends take a while to develop and he's entering his fourth year. It could be, 
it could be, you know, one of those years. I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't know how much opportunity there is because of how many tight ends there are for him. Um, I think something, so I've, Mike Kosicki's been one of my favorite, if not my favorite dolphins um, over the past couple of years, but something has felt off about him this off season. That's kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't, I don't know what, I can't exactly pinpoint it. I don't know if it's, he just kind of seems he's, he's all for his teammates, but he seems distant from the organization. Um, Like, I don't, like he doesn't he he doesn't like hype my, the the Miami Dolphins, but he he hypes his team. Um, he he kind of has a cocky attitude about him that I didn't realize was a thing until maybe this offseason. Um, I don't I don't know. I think I would like to think that Miami looks at the situation with Gasecki as this um, next year. I think I think they like Gasecki. I think they like having him on the team. Um, but like you said, his his value to what they want to do, um, he's priced himself out in terms of the contract he's going to be looking for. And he strikes me as a type of player that isn't going to take less than what um, the market says he costs, um, especially going into a second contract. Um, maybe if it, he was 30 years old, it'd be a different story. But he seems like someone who's going to be going and getting paid next next season. Um I think Miami probably looks at it like this. Um, you are a value to our team and you bring something to it. Um, and we want you to be that value to the team, especially next year, especially with our growing quarterback. Um, let's see if you've made, you know, any kind of strides in terms of how you fit into our new offense and stuff like that. And I'm sure there's an optimism that, you know, if it works out, they'll be happy to pay him. Um if he, if he does make those strides and there is enough of a fit there. Um, however, I, I'm very concerned that he's priced himself out of his fit on the team. Um, I think he's going to be one of those guys next year that gets a real fat contract. Um, and I, I'm, I, I just feel like you said, because of his fit, um, that contract's going to be too much to eat for Miami. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about um, some new faces and some faces we haven't seen in a while um, showing up this week. And that's, um, and I know we, we, we've touched on him a lot, but Jerome Baker and then someone that I don't think anybody um, that's a Miami Dolphins fan, any reporter, anybody, any, anything with any relationship to Miami has talked enough about, and that's uh, Bernardrick McKinney. Um, I looked at McKinney in just some clips today. It, granted, they're just clips. If you look at the look on his face, he just looks like a badass leader. Like, he looks like someone who is yeah. ready to lead a defense. And I have a feeling that's exactly what he's going to do. Um, is, he, is he somebody who's going to go out and cover uh, running backs in the flat or uh, cover tight ends? No, he's not. But he is that type of guy. He's I just see that in him where he's he's gonna lead the defense regardless of what his ultimate capabilities are or his limitations end. Um I I just kind of almost feel disrespected for him that not enough has been talked about in his regard. He's a dog. Let's put it, it that is. way. There's a lot of dog, there's a lot of dog in Bernard McKinney. Um 
I believe that Benardrick McKinney uh, was slated to be a Miami Dolphin um, approximately four seconds after Josh Allen ran over Kyle Van Noy. I'm pretty sure that's exactly when that went through Brian Flores' mind. Um, I don't think Benardrick McKinney would ever let that occur to him. He is a chase down linebacker who will go side to side. I don't think, you know, you don't want him on um, running backs out of the flat. You definitely don't want him um, locked up or match up with a wide receiver. You don't want that to occur, but I don't think he's quite as bad as say a, a Raekwon McMillan. Raekwon McMillan couldn't cover to save his life when he was on Miami, um, but I don't think he's quite uh, that much of a liability in the past game. What I think, do is he will patrol the middle of the field in between he'll be able to he'll be able to lock up the tight end occasionally and definitely not your Walters your Kelsey's um, but I don't think he'll be okay then what I think he will do to go back to your original is I think Baker do a lot to do a lot more um, blitzing and believe that he is Miami Dolphins run defense a tremendous better. Uh, they've, they've made a couple of moves that I really liked uh, to shore up their run defense, which got gashed repeatedly last year. It may not have shown up in rushing touchdowns, but they had serious issues at certain points of the season being able to stop the run. And I think McKinney is a big piece to solve that problem. Yeah, and one of the things I look at with him is it's not like he's one of the these guys where we're we should be questioning his fit or you know is he a part of their long term plans anything like that. This is a guy who we gave assets up to go get. Like, there's a hundred percent a plan for him. Um, we went out and traded for him uh, for however Flores sees it. He is very much going to be a part of this team at least at least next year, um, I, I just I, – I'm very surprised by the lack of coverage about him and what he might bring to the defense. Um, I think having him and Alandon Roberts is like a godsend. Um, that's two dogs who don't really give a shit and just want to hit people. Um, they they – it's almost like those two look at life. Like the only reason they were put on this planet was to go and hit people as hard as they can. Um, and I, I, I love that about them. Um, and, it, it, you know, past McKinney, it was nice to see Jerome Baker out there again. Because um, for whatever reason, I just see him taking a big step forward this year. Um, Brian Flores is too smart a guy to have not figured out where, where exactly Baker's, um, uh, you know, best fit is and, and what his flaws are. I think this is going to be kind of a big year for Baker because I think Flores is going to have him figured out. Um, and it, I think he's going into, what, his fourth year. I just um, – if I had to throw money on anybody getting retains, um, he would be probably the smart money for me. Uh, even more than Agba, I think um, – I think Agba can be replaceable. Um, not, that I, not that I look at him that way. Um, I just I see Baker as a smart money if anybody gets resigned um, 
And no one's to say we don't resign Agba, Baker, Gusecki, all of them. Um, I just smart money tells me Baker's going to have a year where he really proves his value to the team and um, outside franchises might start learning his name as well. Yeah, he's starting to get some more respect um, in the new breed of your hybrid linebackers. Um, he is starting to get some national recognition, in my opinion. Uh, he's he is he's the new breed. He's the future of your uh, middle linebacker. No longer are you going to have your um, three down linebackers who are also your you know, plotting thumpers. You're not, that's, that's a, that's a Landon Roberts. And don't get me wrong. I love Landon Roberts. I think a Landon Roberts is, um, like you said, he just, he was born to hit somebody and third and short or fourth and short running backs are going to think twice about going between the tackles with the Landon Roberts coming through. Um, there were a couple I mean, talking about toughness. Year. He's already out there running. Oh yeah. <laughs> like he got injured at the end of the season, yeah. not at the beginning. Yeah. He's already out yeah. there with no brace or anything. <laughs> yep. He's uh, he's something else. He's uh, he's a lot of fun to watch, um, but yeah, I, I um, what I found interesting as well is that Miami has listed, and this is going to go back to a piece you wrote about positionless defense uh, or positionless football uh, eventually. Um, but they also now have Jalen Phillips, the Dolphins, listed as a linebacker. Uh, which means he's not going to have his hand in the dirt coming off the edge as much. I'm sure they'll do it sometimes with him. But if he's on the roster as a running back, or a running back, as a linebacker, he's going to have a lot more freedom to come in from the outside, not only uh, as a pass rusher, but also as an edge setter, which I think Believe it or not, I don't think it's going to cost Miami at all because he did that very well at the University of Miami. Yeah, so actually um, Tanner and I kind of went through a little exercise when we were talking about the linebackers last week, trying to figure out, you know, we we were talked about exactly that, like Jalen Phillips standing up. Um, if let's we, we kind of examined each down or each down package and who would fit where, there's nobody to play hand in the dirt opposite Emmanuel Agba in multiple packages. Like if you want to look at, let's say our base three, four, right? Mm -hmm. um, run down, first down, first and 10, uh, run defense. You're probably going to put Agba, Wilkins, maybe uh, Raekwon Davis in the middle right. of that defensive line. Right. And then you'll have, you know, Phillips, Van Ginkel, um, and Baker, McKinney, that all makes sense. Once you start getting into later downs and um, you might be playing the nickel, which is four down linemen and um, a, bunch of, a bunch of secondary, what does that look like? Somebody has, to, somebody has to be on the opposite side of Emmanuel Agba. And maybe that, maybe that is when um, Jalen Phillips, I mean, and you can, you can rush from the defensive line standing up. Um, sure. obviously, but sure. um, there's nobody really else on the team that can play that position opposite Agba um, in that kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, they even they did have Wilkins with his hands in the dirt as an end a few times last season, and if you do that, you could have Sealer inside. 
I mean, there's ways to do it, but I understand. What yeah, you're I don't like. I don't love that though, because Wilkins isn't the type of defensive lineman that's going to beat his man one on one and get to the Agreed. quarterback. So that's not ideal. Agreed. Um, Same with Sealer. That you 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 would always have to have them on the short side of the field if you wanted to do it. That Unless way. you move Davis out there, which I, I mean, we've talked about that like to an extent before, not on a passing down like that, but maybe six six seven. You know, maybe he 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 has the length and the reach to bat down balls or to to you know reach out and grab that quarterback by the the jersey on the arm and and maybe. you know make make something happen who knows i mean they it, it might be a reach but yeah I, mean, I think and then i think the guy that's that's going to end up filling that position is not yet on the miami dolphins um i i there has been way too much smoke um with melvin ingram for me to think that there's not just a ton of mutual interest. He's still out there. So this is, this is what we actually, what sparked that conversation was we talked Mm -hmm. about um, KJ Wright or Melvin Ingram. Mm -hmm. And when we broke it down, there's not really a place on the roster in our, and he's someone who really wants to get, go out and get one of those. Um, But after we broke it down, there's not really a place on the roster for them because you have other guys that either are worth those snaps more or need those snaps more. Um, Melvin Ingram is, I, he, you don't want him to like, if you look at, if you look at the construction of, of the front seven, I mean, you still have Vince Beagle. um, You have Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, two young guys. Now you have Jalen Phillips who has a potential of, being an all pro, you have Sealer, you have Davis, you have Wilkins, um, you even have some other guys who knows what they have, like a Strobridge um, as they develop, stuff like that. Um, you signed Brennan Scarlett, you signed Duke Riley. Um, I don't think there's a place for either of those guys on the team in the sense that you're taking snaps away from other guys. And um, although I see value in Melvin Ingram, I, it's hard to ignore the goose egg he put up in, in seven games last year. Um, that's not to say he didn't have an impact on his defense, um, but a goose egg is a goose egg. And I don't know that I want to take any snaps away from anybody just to add a Melvin Ingram at, at this stage of his career. And certainly yeah. not a KJ Wright. No, I I don't I see I agree on I agree on KJ Wright. I think honestly, the guy that you would end up losing would be Strobridge if you got Melvin Ingram. And I I I differ with you on there I think he would be worth it because I'm not willing to I'm not I'm not willing to say that Melvin Ingram doesn't have anything left in the tank at this point in time because of one bad year um, of course I said that in the past too about Mario Williams and I was com- incredibly wrong about that um, but I think in this case the juice is worth the squeeze on that I don't think losing Jason Strobridge to sign Melvin Ingram would be something that the Miami Dolphins are going to No, and, and I'm not looking at it like that. I'm looking right. at it more like I would rather have Andrew Van Ginkle or, or Jalen Phillips um, mm-hmm. filling that, that third down pass rush role um, on the defensive line than I would. Um, like, it's just you're taking away snaps that are valuable snaps to, to developing impact players on the team. It's not like you're taking snaps away from – um, you know, a, a middle of the road, 28 year old, you know what you got. Like, um, Andrew Van Ginkle showed he could, he could potentially be 
I, I don't know if I, I want to go as far as saying star, but he's an impact player. He's going to be someone who commands a contract at some point. Um, Jalen Phillips is, we drafted him to be, you know, a Jason Taylor level defensive end or pass rush or whatever, what, what have you. Um, I'm not, I'm just not willing to take away snaps from those kind of young impact players just to get a Melvin Ingram. Um, and I, the, I'm always up for adding talent, but the, the depth in both of those rooms in the linebacker room, the defensive line room, um, wide receiver room, tight end room, I just don't see, um, a positive for adding depth to our, those already pretty deep, um, positions. Like, I mean, we're already looking at a situation where one of Vince Beagle, Brennan Scarlett, and Duke Riley probably aren't making the team. Right. And two of those were free agent signings, and one was a re-signing. Um, I mean, we still have Kelvin Munson, who actually played a couple of meaningful snaps on defense. Uh, we still have uh, Yagwoven. Um, and not all those guys are making the team. And same with the defensive line, um, with Agba, Davis, uh, Sealer, Wilkins are all probably safe bets. But after that... Um, Oh, it, it, let us not forget Adam Butler's on the team. I, I just completely that that just creeps back into my mind. I I have yep. forgotten about him um, completely since we signed him. So I just don't see I don't see a spot on the roster, so to speak, um, to add to either of those groups necessarily. Um, okay. I, I guess same goes for corner, and I guess same goes. Uh, for safety now, although I would like to see um, Malik Hooker, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would be happy about that just because he's still young enough to where if you sign him to his prove it contract, um, you're only going to get his best effort. And it, it, it will literally hurt the team none to kick the tires on someone like that. I got you. No, and that makes sense too. Um, I don't think that. You're going to see my concern is a roster spot. My concern is getting the players the best combination of players you can to start the season and have depth at as many crucial positions as you can. And my thinking behind Ingram is that I'm not so concerned, I'm not really concerned about the snaps. Um, he can be a situational pass rusher for all I, for all I care, and, and that is a very specific need that Miami has. And they solved some of that problem with Jalen Phillips when they drafted him. Now, I, I don't mind paying because it's not well, more, it's not my money. So I don't really it's care not gonna be him. it's not gonna be much in my opinion. Yeah. What he ever whatever he ends up signing for. Right. But I don't think we have to worry about a Brian Flores led squad saying someone is going to get snaps just because they signed a big contract. Uh-uh. Um, what they paid Jordan Howard last year, $5 million, and he he rushed, what, 30 times I, because he just wasn't effective. So they're like, all right, move on from it. Um, I agree with the Malik Hooker thing, too. I don't think he's going to cost a lot. Um, but I'm strongly of the opinion that no matter how they do it, whether it be through free agency, through the draft, through pickups, through trades, whatever it might be, they get the most talent they can on the team at positions of need. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that philosophy. Um, 
But before before I, I continue with that, I do want to say Miami finished 10th in the NFL in sacks last year. And we know that a lot of that those were were drawn up. Um, right. They weren't beating your man one on one. But that's 10th in the NFL before we went out and got one of the most natural pass rushers to come out of the draft and, you know, the past couple of years with Jalen yep. Phillips. Right. So although I, I, I would have a hard time ever turning down more pass rush, um, I don't think it's going to be a, a major area of need. And for me, I, I don't know that Melvin Ingram is better than um, a Vince Beagle. Uh, I, I really liked what Vince Beagle was turning into before he got injured. I want, I'm very interested to see the continuation of that and see if there's any bounce back of that. And do I think that that means Vince Beagle is going to have the career that um, Melvin Ingram had? No. I'm looking at Melvin Ingram as the 32 player he is now versus the Vince Beagle that Vince Beagle is now. Um, I don't, I don't really care all that much about Yagovin or Riley or Scarlett. I think the ones that will make the team probably earn, will earn it um, in that regard out of that group. But, yeah, I don't know that I have Melvin Ingram rated higher than what we already have in terms of some of our pass rushers. Um, the one thing I, did, I do want to get your perspective on, which is ties into what Tanner and I were talking about last year, is – um, when I look at the nickel position or the like the nickel formation, um, usually you have your four down linemen and you have two um, kind of linebackers that, that can play the pass. Um, I, I think Jerome Baker fills one of those roles. And the other thing, the other the other person that would fill that role, um, this is where we kind of got to talking. Miami essentially has three starting safeties and four if you count McCordy now on their roster, I would, I would like to see packages where we have all three of those safeties on the field at the same time. And I could see Brandon Jones maybe occupying that second linebacker spot or Eric Rowe so he can guard his tight ends. Um, I would like to see how all three of them can fit on the field at the same time in, in certain packages, not, not in every down fashion, but yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, keep in mind, Miami ran not only nickel, but dime, quarter, and dollar defenses. Miami ran defenses last year where they had eight defensive backs on the field. I love it. I love and, pe and people were like, and I said, I threw that, I was, I was having a conversation with somebody not too, too long ago. And I said, they actually ran dollar defense packages. And they went, you just made that up. I'm like, I totally, I'm not, totally not. That's an eight defensive back. Of um, packages, that you just better hope they there. pass and not run. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Then I mean, if you're if you're looking at like third and fifteen, I, right. I honestly, I mean, that's 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 where you're going to run that kind of thing. But I mean, yeah, I could easily see a lot of packages where you have, say, you have Justin Coleman on the field at the same time as Javon Holland, and you're not exactly certain. Who's playing nickel? Who's covering what? If they if they have people creeping up on the line of scrimmage like they did last year with their amoeba defense, how's a quarterback going to read that? How are they going to read it when you've got Brandon Jones and Eric Rowe and uh, McCourty in the backfield? Who's covering what? I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting set of circumstances, and I applaud the front office of the Miami Dolphins for 
having so many different players who can play nickel, who can play uh, free safety and strong safety. I mean, there's, there's, there's a plethora of things I could do. You could, for Pete's sake, you could even have um, Byron Jones. I wouldn't recommend doing this regularly, but you could have a, a, you could have someone rotate over and have Byron Jones float back to safety. It's not like he hasn't played the position before and you think somebody's open and they're not. It's going to be a lot of fun in 2021 watching the secondary transform. I think you're going to have situations where you have two or three uh, players that they've had play nickel nickel corner on the field at the same time. You're going to have th- two or three situations where you have three players who've played free safety on the field at the same time. And organized chaos, um, to quote Ted Lasso, is a wonderful thing to watch when it works well. And I think that Brian Flores has the ability to create that. Yeah, I mean, I just get a smile on my face anytime I start really looking and listing out all of the players that are on Miami's defense. Like, I don't think there's a clear-cut defense in the league that you can say is deeper than Miami's unit. uh, is there going to be one that's more talented? Maybe. Um, but you just, I mean, Byron Jones, Jason McCarty, Xavier Howard, uh, Javon Holland, Eric Rowe, Brandon Jones, um, Coleman, just need like the, the list. Noah Benogany is a first round pick. Yep. I mean, every single position on the defense is just loaded with, with, talent i mean whether it pans out is i guess remains to be seen but there is there is not a hole on that defense there really really isn't at this point and because they're so interchangeable and versatile like and can fill so many different roles that it just really makes it seem very devoid of of flaws um and i think we're starting to see that now with the offense um with the wide receivers with the tight ends even the offensive line to me um, has the best depth that it's had in a while. Because, um, I mean, you're going to have legitimate, you know, NFL players competing on the offensive line between uh, Fluker and Eichenberger. Um, Kindley and um, Fluker, even, um, for the interior. Um, yep. You got Robert Hunt moving in. I, I even think, and I've, I have, I have just this funny feeling that Michael Dieter's story isn't done. Um, and I think that'll be a legitimate competition in camp um, between him and Matt Skura. I Even the running back room, in a way, maybe it's not the most talented room, but it certainly has depth. I mean, Gaskin and Ahmed are, are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, you have two power backs in Malcolm Brown and um, – Jared Dokes, and then you still have Patrick Laird, who has proven that he can be useful um, in an offensive package. I don't think he's going to light up the world against any team, but he can serve a role. So just the depth is it's very exciting because I don't know that I can point to a, a year in my lifetime where I have seen this kind of depth, which gives you such a hopeful feeling for what the season could be if it's managed right, if, you know, the injury bug doesn't destroy us. Um, there's just so much excitement and shit, even if Tua went down, um, I don't know that I'm, I'm, my season's over by putting Jacoby Brissett in. Yep. 
And don't forget, it's funny because one of the names that popped up at OTAs, believe it or not, was Cameron Tom. So he's the guy who's going to talk about depth at center. He, yeah. they, they said he was one of the better looking players at OTAs was Cameron Tom. And I was like, really? Because <laughs> that's such a pleasant surprise. Yeah, um, you never know these guys that are going to yep. come out of nowhere. And it yep. happens all the time in the NFL. Yep. It's yeah, um, speaking of Jared Dokes, I did actually put out my second Jared Dokes article this week. So if you guys uh, get a chance to read that on Fin Maniacs, it'll be fantastic. Uh, we'll be moving on. Um, what we're going to be doing here at Fin Maniacs is we're going to be doing a little bit on each player um, that Miami has drafted. So this week we went with... Um, Jared Dokes, who seems like a tremendously interesting prospect, like you were saying, um, as I wrote, he is, if you want to describe him in a word, he's a hammer in the NFL. Um, and if you're a hammer as a running back in the NFL, everything else looks like a nail. Um, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing a little bit of coverage on each of those players. Um, as we move up toward training camp and hopefully, hopefully we're going to be trying to see if we can get some feedback directly from the players. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, um, but we're going to give it our best shot. Yeah. And you know how much I love Jared Doak. So yes, I sir. might be his, his number one fan. Um, yeah, other than that, we have another week of OTAs, I believe, to look forward to um, before we uh, – not, maybe not we, um, but the NFL kind of takes its, its last little break before um, end of July training camp, and then uh, we're hitting the ground running um, with the team. So a lot of stuff to look forward to. Um, you know, we'll be back next week with, you know, more coverage, more – Stuff to talk about, I'm sure, that'll happen throughout the next six or seven days. Um, and if not, there's still a lot to break down with this team and uh, where they could be headed in 2021. Uh, there's, there's always something that happens. I mean, we'll have somebody will pick up on a rumor of some sort. I mean, today, the, the, the word around the campfire was all about Robert Hunt painting his nails. And I looked at that and went, really? That's really? when you know people are bored. That's that's the biggest thing you guys have to talk about is Robert Hunt painting his nails. Who cares if the guy paints his nails? One of my cousins paints his nails, and, and he's just he's just um, a really cool dude who just doesn't care what people think, societal norms. He said, I'm painting my nails. I don't care what you think. And that seems to be where Robert Hunt's coming from, and you know what? Good for him. Agreed. All right, so I think that'll be it for this week. And... Um... We, you know, check us out on Twitter. We're always putting out uh, new information and our so, so valued opinions. Um, <laughs> and, uh, sure. yeah, for that, until next week, uh, we are the Outsiders.